following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Contrary to what most modern believers think, it is not easy to enter into the kingdom of God. This morning I went to a Panera's for my breakfast lunch and saw there a woman that has often waited on me, and I have told her about the broadcast. And she asked me today, Are you still on the radio? I said, Yes. She said, well, I've not been listening. I said, oh, why? She said, because your messages are so heavy. I'm not well-versed in the Christian faith. I'm just exploring it. And I have a hard time understanding what you're saying. I said, please... Just continue to listen, and if you have questions, when I come in, ask me the questions. I'll be happy to talk with you about the gospel of Jesus. It's not easy to enter the kingdom of God. Now, you recognize that when the words kingdom of God are used in the scriptures, they're not speaking about a geographic location. They're speaking rather about the authority of God exercising its full power over your life. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we say, Thy kingdom come, we're saying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, exercise, O God, your authority over our lives, even as you exercise your authority in heaven where there is no dispute with you. Here on this earth, there is an enemy. We call him the devil. We call him Apollyon. We call him by the name Dragon. And in all of that, Jesus said in Revelation to the seven churches that we must overcome. We must overcome the devil's power, but we must also overcome the natural tendency of our heart to be a servant of darkness. Righteousness in Scripture literally means innocence. And so how am I to be restored to a place of innocence before God? By asking that his authority be exercised over my life. Now, as the authority of God is exercised, it will take two ways or two channels 
One, for those areas where I am touching darkness, I am walking in darkness and in evil, the loving kindness will will come into my heart from the Father. We call that grace. That is, the influence of God on our hearts to turn us from the darkness to the light. Grace is, yes, unmerited favor, but much more specifically, grace is the divine influence of God to redeem our lives by the blood of Jesus. It is grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness, and that grace is love and mercy and kindness extended by God to us as we learn how to walk with him. But the divine authority of God, according to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, also brings rebuke, scourging, discipline, to cause us to turn away from darkness, to increase the pain caused by our sin so that we will turn and hate our sin and come into the fullness and the presence of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, let me begin reading for you in verse 16. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols. We are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So, on this journey where we begin to explore what it means to follow Jesus Christ, we face some very severe hindrances. We face some very severe difficulties. Let me illustrate. I was talking with an ordained pastor. He belongs to a church. He has no church of his own. And he said to me, I sit on the back row. I've been put on the bench. God is not using me in the pastoral role. Oh, once in a while, he'll have a couple that will ask him to perform a wedding for them, and and he does that happily. He involves himself in different aspects of church ministry, but basically, he's on the back bench. 
and he is not fulfilling his call to ministry. He has a government job, so he has a steady income, but he is not functioning as a pastor. We spoke together. We spoke together about Jesus, about the things of the Scripture, about the work of the Gospel. And then when we were finished our conversation, he turned to another man, and I could not help but overhear their conversation. The conversation was about the football game. It was about a Sunday game. And these two men began to speak in in reverential tones. Their words were full of devotion. In fact, their words were filled with such emotion and such devotion as they spoke together about how eagerly they were looking forward to the Sunday afternoon games that I was shocked. Now I know why he's on the back bench. He's on the back bench because he's touching unclean things. And when you touch unclean things, God will not, re- God will not receive you. He will not be a father to you. I was grieved. I've experienced this in my own life. When I touch anything that's unclean, even if it's unconscious, I'm immediately rebuked by the Holy Spirit and I crash because I don't want to touch any unclean thing. One of the members of the National Prayer Chapel, one of the leaders at the National Prayer Chapel, had a dream. I don't know what he was doing, but he was going somewhere. And suddenly, in front of him, some distance, there came an explosion out of the ground. And this vile, green, vomit-like liquid came up into the air like an artesian well. It began to flood everywhere. It began to cause streams to even flow toward he, where he was. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Touch no unclean thing. He immediately knew this was poison. And so he quickly left the area. I know that that geyser of wickedness has exploded in America. It's exploded in idolatry the lifting up of the professional sports as something good, when in fact 
It's just worldly entertainment that dulls the mind and turns the heart away from Jesus. The constant explosion of violence in the news is unclean, and it turns the heart away from Jesus. The ever-increasing tempo of wickedness and darkness in the movies, movies that teach us to just endure. The heroes of today seem to be those who endure, who just put up with every kind of wickedness as political correctness rules the day. And suddenly, when someone steps forward and calls a thing by its appropriate name, everyone is shocked. No one calls this evil. But evil is flooding our land. Every kind of sexual immorality, homosexuality, transgenderism, these things are evil. They're not from the God of heaven. They're not pure. They're not innocent. They're wickedness. The lust after money and power, lying and stealing and cheating, this is all Wickedness, it's evil. Bitterness of heart, rage and anger, jealousy, envy. These things are evil. I don't need to tell you what's evil. Your conscience knows what is evil. Question is, what are we going to do with it? See, the gospel of Jesus calls us out of all evil. Now, I'd not planned to share this today. It was from the sermon on Sunday, but I think I need to. In the Gospel of Luke, the risen Lord speaks. I want to read for you what Jesus said we should be proclaiming, what we should be preaching some of you have said to me, Pastor, I think you only have one sermon. Well, that's true. Jesus likewise had only one sermon. He came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Well, now the kingdom of God is here. Jesus died on Calvary, and now it is possible to have the authority of God being exercised over your life, both in correction as grace comes and teaches us to say no to ungodliness, and as grace comes and blesses us, gives us joy of heart, bears the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. These are the things I desire in my heart, not hatred, not bitterness, not hardness of heart, not defensiveness. Luke, the 24th chapter, verse 45. Speaking about the disciples, this is Jesus just prior to his ascension. He is the risen Lord. He is the risen Christ. He is God in the flesh. 
He is the one who created the earth and the universe. He is the creator God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, Jesus. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. This woman who spoke to me so kindly this morning about the radio broadcast, I'm going to stand in prayer for the rest of the week, asking that God will open her mind to understand the scripture. I pray that all of you, as you listen, the Holy Spirit will open your minds so that you can understand the scriptures that I share with you. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Jesus was crucified for your sin and for mine. He was crucified, and on the third day he arose from the grave. Verse 47, this is Luke 24, verse 47, And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. To all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send to you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So the disciples were commissioned by Jesus to go and preach repentance and aphis, that's the Greek word translated in the NIV as forgiveness. That translation is not quite correct. Aphis means literally in the Greek, yes, secondary meaning to forgive. Primary meaning of aphis is to remove. To remove. So we are to go out and preach, repent, meaning turn completely away from the darkness. Confess with remorse that you have walked in rebellion against the Most High, that you have not treated Jesus as he should have been treated, that you have been self-centered and self-focused, that your heart's been filled with anger and rage, that you have worshipped idols and lusted after the money. Confess, repent, turn away from. Literally, go back and fulfill the law. That's how we know what we must repent of. The law is literally a description of the character of God. And the law is summarized in two ways. One, love of the whole heart, mind, and soul for God. And secondly, loving our brother as ourselves, treating others with kindness and mercy. Repent from those those things of bitterness and darkness 
from the vile. Repent for all that you have done to offend the Almighty God. And then preach also that their sins can be removed, not just forgiven, but removed. If the gospel of Jesus Christ does not have the power to cause me to quit sinning, then it is truly of no value. If I'm going to simply say, please forgive me, and then tomorrow I come and say, please forgive me, and the next day I come and say, please forgive me, we're dealing with a half a gospel. I want the full gospel. The full gospel is that, yes, Jesus will forgive my sins. He will, if I repent, take away the guilt. But he will also completely restore me and make me innocent and make me righteous. That is what we're to proclaim. Both repentance and the removal of all sin. When you look in Revelation, the third chapter, Again, it's the risen Christ who is speaking. He says that we are to buy three things. First, gold refined in the fire. What is the gold refined in the fire? We are to offer ourselves, we are to buy, we are to buy by consecration to Jesus, by dying to self, by being empowered by the Holy Spirit, we are to buy faith. We are to buy an absolute conviction by experience that God is trustworthy and that all of his promises are yes and amen. The way I participate in the divine nature the way I am made entirely innocent before God is by taking the promises of God for face value and asking that those promises be fulfilled to me. Now, secondly, we are to buy white clothes to wear. And Revelation 19.8 tells us that these white clothes are righteous acts or innocent actions that we take in our life. Now this is where the battle is. Because I cannot create innocent actions on my own power. It is only as God works in me. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, the scriptures say, for it is God who works in you. We must allow God to come and do his work in our hearts. Now, let's be clear. What I've just described for you in very simple terms is not easy. 
and to understand what I've just shared with you will take time and devotion and a recognition that if you are left on your own, your life is empty and devoid of meaning. And until we're willing to face the reality that as we touch unclean things, God will not accept us. As we go through our day and we step into that which is vile and evil, God will not accept us. He will not speak with us. We have distanced and grieved his heart. And so this does not come easily. Now, let me read from Pilgrim's Progress. This was a book written and published first in 1678 by John Bunyan. I'm going to be reading to you a brief portion of Pilgrim's Progress from this world to that which is to come by C.J. Lovick. Anything worthwhile is going to take energy and effort first to understand and then to put into practice. Many of you have experienced so many sermons and so many church services and so much religion that it just flows off your back like water off a duck's back. And so you don't understand the cause and effect relationship between your action and what God does in relationship to your life. There is a cause and effect relationship. If you touch the ungodly, if you touch the wicked, if you touch the filthy, the Father will not receive you. Jesus will not receive you. You must walk clean, purified, washed, cleansed by the blood. Now I recognize that all of these are code words. And you must search after Jesus to understand these words. I come to this broadcast day by day to help unpack these things that are just taken for granted today. But the language has been so corrupted that we don't really understand. And so we continue to walk in our religion without any experience with God. Let me read for you what Bunyan teaches. This is as the traveler Christian who has left his home in the city of destruction. And in this top allegory of all the English language. He has Christian taking a journey toward the celestial city or toward what is called heaven. And he comes to the house of the interpreter or literally the house of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit begins to teach him very specific lessons about this journey that he is embarking on. Let me begin. After this, I saw that the interpreter took Christian by the hand and led him into a pleasant place where there was built a stately palace, beautiful to behold. 
At the sight of it, Christian was greatly delighted. He looked up and saw people clothed in gold walking on the top of the thick palace walls. And Christian asked, May we go into that palace? The interpreter took him and led him up toward the door of the palace. There Christian saw a great company of men standing at the palace door, all desiring to go in, but few daring to. A little distance from the door there was a man sitting at a table with a book open before him. He was writing the names of those who wished to enter the palace. Christian also saw in the doorway many armed men who were determined to inflict as many injuries and wounds as they could on anyone trying to enter the palace. Now let me break down what he's saying in this allegorical description of the Christian's journey. The Holy Spirit is explaining to Christian that many want to go into the kingdom of God. But most stand on the outside around the entrance and never enter in. Many of you today stand at the entrance practicing your religion, speaking as though you know all about it. But in fact, you have never entered in. Oh, you've entered into religion. You can get in a dispute with your pastor. You can argue with your family. You can argue the gospel with anybody. And there's a spirit of self-righteousness, a spirit of haughtiness. The greatest barrier to our entering into the kingdom of God is that we are full of self full of self-righteousness, full of self-justification, full of self-defense, just full of ourselves. And the first task the Holy Spirit has is to show us the glorious place that we would have with the Father, the glorious palace of God, to show us compassion and love to invite us to enter in. But there's a price to enter in. And many of you have been utterly unwilling to pay the price. I can tell you now, part of the price for the pastor I just spoke about, he's going to have to renounce his love for the professional sports. He's going to have to renounce his love for the Steelers. Another man that I spoke with also spoke in such devotion to the Ravens. He is going to have to deny himself and cast down the Ravens instead of worshiping this football team. Some of you worship the baseball game, some the hockey game, The professional sports are the circus of today to keep you absorbed in the things of the world so that you're comfortable in your religion. But you enjoy the movies, you enjoy the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
as long as it's not too bad. Remember, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not just the tree of the knowledge of evil. So, we justify ourselves by saying, you know, it's not bad, it's not wrong. We're not trying to do anything wrong. We're just, we're just being normal people. Well, normal people do not enter into the kingdom of God. May I say that again? Normal people never enter the kingdom of God. To enter the kingdom of God requires that you face those armed defenders of the devil's world. And when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, a target is put on your back. And now the devil just wants to convince you that you can have Jesus and the world too. I know what I'm speaking is sounding like foolishness to some of you. And you'll go so far. And then you'll say, I've gone far enough. But you've never entered into that joyous place in the palace of God. You have never been given utterly, totally, and completely into the hands of Jesus. And so you're still holding on to the things of the flesh. And frankly, as many people say to me, Oh, Pastor, yes, there there are things between me and Jesus, and I'm working on those things. No. A Christian does not work on those things. A Christian confesses them and cuts them off by the power of the blood of Jesus and says, I'm done. I'm finished. It's over. I'm not going there anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not watching that television anymore. It is finished. I'm not going to spend my time on the internet. I'm going to read the word of God. I'm going to search after the kingdom of heaven with all of my strength and all of my power. If you don't do this, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Let me continue reading. Christians saw in the doorway of the palace many armed men who were determined to inflict as many injuries and wounds as they could on anyone trying to enter the palace. In other words, the Holy Spirit, according to Bunyan, is saying to him, you cannot enter this palace of God without a bitter fight. And the bitter fight? It's against the world, the entertainment of the world, the ways of the world. It's a bitter fight against my flesh. It has to be put to death. And it's a bitter fight against the devil, Apollyon, the dragon. Christian was amazed. At last, after every man retreated back for fear of the armed men. I have seen entire churches and pastors who have retreated back for fear of the armed men 
Pastors fear that they will lose their congregation and their financing. Pastors are afraid they will not be successful if they confront sin in their church. No, they want to be smiling and happy and pleasant. They want to preach comfortable words that tickle the ears. They want to talk about strategies for success. They want to be able to say, we have the best children's program. We have the best Easter and Christmas programs. We have concerts. We have wonderful dramas. We have the screen up where we do audiovisual on Sundays. It's interesting. I've looked in Christianity today just out of curiosity to see what are churches advertising for their pastor that they would like to appoint. Almost all of the resume demands are now the pastor has to know how to incorporate videos into his sermons. He has to use multimedia in his sermon presentations. In other words, you have to be able to use the world and make us comfortable. Almost the entire American church has retreated back for fear of the armed men. I just read a report about a father who was captured by ISIS in Syria. He and his family. He was told, either recant your religious faith in Jesus and become a Muslim, or we're going to cut off the tips of the fingers of your 12-year-old boy. The father said, I cannot and will not renounce Jesus Christ. And so, one by one, they cut off the tips of the fingers of this 12-year-old boy, saying, Will you renounce Jesus now? This brave father said, No, I will not renounce Jesus and become a Muslim. When he finally had no more fingers to cut off, they crucified this 12-year-old boy. And they said to the father, Now, either renounce your faith, or we will likewise treat you. We will crucify you. And we will take your wife and make her a sex slave. He responded, I cannot renounce Jesus Christ. And he was crucified. And his wife was taken as a sex slave of the ISIS. I read that report and wept. This is a man who knows what it costs to follow Jesus Christ. Most of the church today 
in America would not begin to pay that kind of price. For we have sold out to the world and to the flesh and to the devil. So our churches are cotton candy, games, entertainment, ritual and religion. And so a group of Christian men come together and what's the favorite topic? Football. What's the favorite topic? The ball game. The TV shows. Things of this world. Do they pray for one another? No. They laugh and joke. I don't say this to condemn anyone. I say this to simply describe that many stand at the palace entrance and desire to go in, but they refuse to pay the price. Part of the price is turning off everything of the flesh and the devil and the world. And just read the scriptures and seek after Jesus with all of our hearts. Christian was amazed. At last, every man retreated back for fear of the armed men. Christian saw a man with a very determined look on his face come up to the man sitting at the table and say, Set down my name, sir. As soon as his name was written in the book, Christian saw the man draw his sword, put on a helmet, and rush toward the armed men at the door who tried to stop him with deadly force. In other words, they tried to kill him. But the man, not at all, not at all discouraged, began cutting and hacking most fiercely at his attackers. After he had received and given many wounds to those who attempted to keep him out, he cut his way through them all, and he pressed forward into the palace. Then Christian heard a pleasant voice from those who were inside the palace, even those who walked upon the top of the palace, saying, Come in, come in, eternal glory you shall win. So the determined man went in, and he was clothed with gold. Then Christian smiled and said, I think I know what this means, and I think it is time for me to continue my journey. I want to tell you today that if you're caught in the iron chains of pride, if you consider service to another to be beneath you, if you are a consumer of religion, but you've never fought your way through to victory over your sin, if in your pride you think you are entitled to the best, if your heart is full of complaints and bitterness, and you are unwilling to humble your heart, 
you will be unable to fight your way through to enter into the kingdom of God. Now I'm going to stop and open the phone lines today. Our phone number here in studio is 877-534-0780. I'm Ray Greenley. This is Pilgrim's Progress. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. If you'd like to call, I'd be happy to take your call. I'd be happy to pray with you. Are you in the midst of the battle? Have you determined in your heart that you want to go through into that palace? And no matter what the price is, you're willing to pay it. Have you been standing on the outside fearful of the cost? Confused? Floating along? Not ever finally saying, I will have Jesus if he will have me. Are you still touching the unclean? Are you still going back to the same old, same old sin? Is there no fear of God in your heart? I know the absolute heartbroken emptiness of grieving the heart of God and wondering then, how can I survive? My heart is so lonely. And I feel like God is so far away. How can I even live? And then rushing back to get on my knees and confess fully the wickedness of my heart. And then standing by faith for the total removal of that attitude or that action that has caused me such grief before God, that has caused me to be totally unclothed and naked and ashamed. Is that where you are today? May I pray for you? Would you call quickly? 877-534-0780 One of my great fears in this broadcast is that this broadcast will be like music to your ears. That you'll listen and then go your way and continue to not Fight the fight of faith to gain the victory in Jesus. And thus you'll be one of those standing outside the gate, always fearful, determined to have your own way, determined not to do what Jesus has told you to do. As one man said, yes, I know what Jesus is calling me to do, but there's a difference between knowing what he wants and making the decision to actually take the steps he's asking me to take. And this man has for years hung in that place. 
we are running out of time. Jesus is coming again. I expect Jesus in my lifetime to crack the skies open and come in great glory. Come in great glory to redeem those who have made a covenant with him by sacrifice. Who've left the things of this world to enter into glory. Have you? What is your condition before Almighty God? How do you stand? Are you washed by the blood of Jesus and no longer walking in the things of this world, no longer grieving the heart of God, walking clothed in the raiment of white garments, righteous actions, We have five minutes until the end of the broadcast. I have time to take one call very quickly if you dial now, 877-534-0780. I'd like to give you our address. I know this broadcast, preaching, repentance, and the removal of sin needs to be proclaimed over this city, not just on the AM dial, but also on the FM dial. I stand by faith for those of you who listen to believe this as well and to step forward and sacrifice, sacrifice to make it possible. Let me give you the address, and if the Holy Spirit prompts you to give, Please give as he instructs you. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And I praise God that last week, $510 were donated toward the cost of this radio broadcast. For the month of December, we're going to owe about $3,500. i am standing by faith that God will move in the hearts of you who listen to step forward and help cover the cost of this radio broadcast. Thank you for each one who's already given this month. Now I also invite you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. nationalprayerchapel.com. This webpage is under construction. Some of you have had difficulty downloading. I apologize for that. And for some of you, particularly on the uh, cell phone You've had difficulty because it keeps crashing. Hopefully this week, those changes will be made. Many changes are being made. It's much more user-friendly. We're not finished yet. But go check out our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. 
I also invite you to come and visit the prayer chapel. If you're hungry for Jesus and you want to make this journey, then I invite you to come to the prayer chapel. Let's take a quick call. Welcome. What would you like to share? We have about 60 seconds left. Hello? Are you there? Yes, I am. Good. We have about 60 seconds left. What would you like to share? Uh, I'm just calling to encourage you, and uh, um, I'm I'm thankful for your program and how you um, uh, keep everybody, I guess, like they say, the uh, boot camp, but in reality, I believe it's because we're too shallow. And, yes, um, you you preach the truth, and it, it's hard because, like I said, it's it's shallow, and uh, we just have to learn to die to ourselves, to die out. And also, I'm calling to, uh, to ask you for your prayers for my health situation. Lord, I ask right now for my dear brother, healing in his body, and encouragement in his heart. Lord, he has stood with me by faith in this broadcast, and I thank you for his sacrifice, and I thank you for his commitment to you, Jesus. Encourage him today and flow with healing in his body and in his mind. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. For the presence of His glory